WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. Ernie thought from time to time about how a bad son would leave his parents to fend for themselves in their old age. And from time to time, he'd hear things about his folks that made him stop dead in his tracks with worry. How close were they actually getting to not being able to take care of themselves? What was expected of him when they couldn't? Who could he count on to help with such matters when that dreaded moment occurs? He knew he wouldn't get the straight story about anything by asking his mom or dad for the truth on such matters. They'd just fight back anyway. And they were pacifists. Hello, I'm Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is That Girl Who Rides With Me. Apparently, I am indispensable to this operation. Welcome to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 5. Perhaps you've heard of my father. Let's catch up with Ernie and Bobby Webster, out behind the barn, sampling the pie man's wares. Bobby, you have outdone yourself. If your granddad were still alive, I don't know if he'd be proud of you. Chase you out of town for stealing all these cherries. Thanks, Ernie. I better take a few of these jars off your hands. It's a fine sipper's beverage, I tell you. Bobby Webster's cherry pie. A dollar pie. Dollar pie. I can do that. Ernie, I wanted to mention something before I go. I was talking to Camp Miller, and he told me about his storefront window getting busted out. Yeah? It seems someone drove through it. Yeah? Have you seen the front end of your dad's car? Why? It was your father's doing. Is that a fact? And so, you know, people are talking... About what? I grew up with your dad around. He's like family. I worry about him. Why? Is he going senile? I don't know. I don't think so. We're all getting old, Bobby. Sure, I get you, but... But you aren't around, Ernie. You can't possibly notice these things. Do you have anyone to look after your folks when you're on the road? It's early. Sun just come up. That girl is sleeping here in my bed. Best time of day to write. I just wanted to get some thoughts out here. I have some harebrained ideas <laughs> going on right now. <laughs> I figure if I write them down, they, well, I guess they can be used against me as proof I'm a lunatic, so. Jim, you're getting it. What are you doing? What? Shh, shh, I'm talking to your boyfriend here. Stop clanging around. Shh, shh. Go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. So here goes. Uh, well, I was, I was walking around outside thinking about work, thinking about my folks, thinking about what Bobby said about my dad crashing the car. Mm-hmm. And well, my mind falls into a different pattern sometimes. When it happens, I try to take notice. The colors will get brighter, sounds get specific. And mm-hmm. If someone's talking during this, I won't even hear what they're saying. I have to remind myself to stay awake what is happening, because what is happening, I think, is the writer in me is 
preparing. There's something deep inside of me noticing a thing that'll come up in a story later. I, it just happens. I'm not actually sure if I'm making it happen because I'm always looking for something to write about or it's always been there and it just may be the thing that makes me want to write every, every moment down. I don't, mm. Boy, I'm not making any sense to myself. <laughs> in any case, when it happens, my, my mind slips into this place and I, I could cry for no reason at all. Or laugh like a crazy man out in the field somewhere all by myself. Sometimes I think I'm just wanting to describe that moment, the miracle of it or the mystery of it, and what is happening to me, what I'm really experiencing. I can't. People would think I'm a loon. Hell, I think I'm a loon anyway. When I, I try it, it always comes out as just a basic story about a thing or a person anyway. So I, I wasn't crying, really. I, it wasn't a real cry. I don't, don't think I was crying because I was sad or some such nonsense. Just something inside me alerting me to notice something mm-hmm. outside of me. Mm. Yeah. See now? Damn it, I sound like a loon. Did you just have one of those moments? No, no use. Question it. Get in the chair. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Here, sit up. Bernie, I want to sleep more. Narrow my focus. What? So I I wrote one about the wind, then one about the snake and the roses, then one about Mom, right? It's a series. A series? It's easy. It's a series. Yes, that's it. Perfect. That's perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Go back to sleep now. You say. I'm sorry. What's next? Uh, I guess Dad. But now that I know I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm dead in the water again. Oh, you just need to put your fanny in the chair, right? Yeah. Well, give me something. How do I get in? Uh, what'd you talk about with him last? Nothing. We were standing at his car, looking at the dent in his fender. I reached out, touched it, looked at him, and he walked away. So what? Yesterday, Bobby Webster told me he crashed into the dry goods store. Uh-huh. What'd that say? Nothing. I told you walked away. Now I'm juggling all these horse apples in my head and I have to write. Happens every time we come here. Why do we come here? Oh, don't start that oh, way. Sure, I don't know anything about it, Geraldine. Do I? Okay, I know. Well, do you think he's he's getting too old to drive? Well, was he too old to drive back in 14 when he drove the car through the wagon shed and into the gravel pit out back? Oh. He did not. He did. <laughs> What'd he say then? He didn't. He just left it there. Came in the house like he meant to do it. In the morning, the car was back in the shed. Wall fixed. Painted like it never happened. Curious. Oh, you bet. What isn't curious is that he can fix anything. He has a tool for everything. Except one that fixes fender. Yeah. Only for lack of trying, I bet. He's like that. One time when he ran for township trustee... His heart wasn't in that either. Well, I asked him about why he ran. He just got up and walked out of the room, same as with the dentist fender. Curious. How the hell's a guy supposed to get to the bottom of anything around here anyway? So, Mom, what, uh, I got a question for you. Why do you think Dad lost for township trustee? Well, nobody wanted to lose him as a handyman. Does he like fixing... Everything for everybody? No. Uh-huh. But there's never a shortage of things breaking or walls needing paint and paper. Yeah. Now, have you ever tried to wallpaper? No, I can't say that I have. Oh, Lord, what a mess. <laughs> Will can do it in his sleep, match up patterns, score around moldings or whatnot like it's magic. Yeah. 
And he's perfect every time. Well, I bet. I don't know how he does it, and he's fast. You know folks pay a good penny for that. Well, I suppose he can make himself indispensable if he wants. And he is never in the same place over and over and over each day. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like that. Well, I don't either. No, but I think going out to that barn every day and keeping a farm up, it makes him anxious. Because there's thousands of little things to do every day on a farm yeah. that have to get done. Well, they never get done because yeah. all the other monotonous everyday chores are standing in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> and the projects... Like making a chair or something. Something that he really wants to be doing. Sure. Well, they never happen. Never. No. But I think being able to use the tools that make a chair every day, even though he's using them for something else, and not that chair, it's close enough for him. So that's what he does for everybody else. Well, at least there's money in it. Oh, that's what I tell the flies that keep coming in through that hole in the screen. <laughs> <laughs> What? That's only funny because it's true. A cobbler without shoes, I'll tell you. I always pictured him as a man that got it all done. He's up before dawn, back after sunset. He is. He is. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it all gets done, though. Yeah, I feel the same way being on the road. You and your father. You're more alike than you know. I've never had to worry that either of you would have to rely on anybody else for your supper. Is that right? Yeah. Now, a person that falls into that trap and learns to forgive themselves of it, well, I don't want to be around them. When you want something, you do what you have to do without relying on anybody. Your dad and I, when we were courting, he took a job clear on the other side of the Wabash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he could have slept there, but he came back here twice a week. Uh-huh. That was almost 20 miles each way, by horse and by sickle. Yeah, that is some dedication. I guess we are alike. <laughs> well, don't be patting yourself too hard on the back. You aren't alike in everything. You talk a lot more than he does. <laughs> is that good or bad? Well, I don't know. But I do know you're both bumbling fools to boot. <laughs> Remember when you flipped that Ford Roadster into the ditch? Maybe. Well, then maybe you'll remember when he drove the car through the back end of the wagon shed. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Bumbling fools it is. (laughs) Speaking of bad drivers, what do you think made Dad drive through that window in town? He told you? Well, I saw his fender. He told me just that he did it, no detail. Well, then you know more than I do. Why don't you go down and ask Kent Miller at the dry goods? I'm interested in that answer myself. I was sitting right here with a sandwich in my mouth, taking lunch. Uh, Your father turned in the road. I watched the whole thing happen from right here. Really? Okay. Your father turned in the road, mm-hmm. kept right on turning, hopped the curb and right through the window. I don't understand that. Took out my key and cut a glass case. Oh, well, I'm sorry uh, about that, sir. Which didn't hurt the axe heads or scissors or these cute little fingernail trimmers. Ain't they cute? Well, I'll be they sure are, Mr. Miller. They're the latest old boy, Keen Cutter. Better get you some Keen Cutter. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think happened? Did 
Did he swerve to miss something in the road? Did you see anything like that? Who knows? His eyes just went wide and he grabbed that steering wheel for all it's worth. Hmm. Uh, the look on his face, and I saw the whole thing from right here. It was as if it was all happening very slow-like. Uh -huh. The look on his face was like he was blaming somebody for something. Uh -huh. uh, like, you know, uh, when he doesn't believe someone, uh, when they're fibbing to him. You think I know that face? Ah, uh, yeah, I think you know it. <laughs> yeah. This one, is it the one with the lips clamped down like he's tightening fishing line on a hook? <laughs> you do know it. <laughs> uh, I suppose. Now I wonder who's doing the fibbing. Uh, good question. Well, that's all I remember of it. Uh, then he came right on through. Doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, then he backed out, put it in park, took his toolbox out of the back seat, and without saying a word, started working. Like he woke up that morning intending to come work here the whole time. Now that makes sense, making more work for himself than needs be. Dad. Dad, will you just answer me? Why is that so important to you? I don't know. But the more you resist, the more interested I get. You think I'm getting senile? No. No. No, I, I don't. But I do think... But where I come from, when a guy says but, it changes everything he said before. I come from the same place. But I gotta tell you. But. Okay. Okay, are you going senile? I knew it. I'm not hearing Dana. I still think I ought to be looking after you, though. I, I've asked you. I've asked Mom. I've also been to talk to Kim Miller at the Dry Goods. There's a hole in the story I can't get filled. So sue me if I have to entertain certain thoughts about the matter. Do you really think I'm losing my mind? No. What? Son. It's happened to plenty of folks a lot younger than you. It's not happening to me, so stop looking for it. Why didn't you stop the car then? Why did you plow through the dry goods? You don't think I had a good reason? What do you have against Kent Miller? Besides charging too much for a keg of nails? Oh, besides that, yeah. I don't have anything against anybody. I also don't think I owe you an explanation. Well, what about Mom? She's not asking. Ernie, I live my life not owing anybody an explanation that doesn't deserve one. You should, too. It's good policy. For instance, I don't like to travel. Your mother doesn't like it, neither. But we took a couple trips because some folks thought we should. They'd say, what's wrong with you? Why don't you go on a vacation? I'd say nothing. I don't owe them an explanation about it. They kept on about it until your mother and I decided to take your advice, and we did. So we went to see you in Washington. Well, I didn't know you didn't want to come. Well, I didn't. And if you did know, how do you think you would have felt about it? Yeah, I understand. I'd have been sad about it, I suppose. You think I like making you feel sad? Well, you don't, so no. That's right, I don't. I also don't tell everyone here at home the story of the Smithsonian Institute giving me a headache. <laughs> You kept bumping your head. <laughs> Funny to you. The glass on those exhibits was so clean, I swear I wasn't the only one hitting my forehead on them. And nobody here needs to hear that story, though. Yeah. I don't need to spread my own gossip about myself being a jackass. I get it. Do you? 
So what made you a jackass for driving through the window? If I told you, you'd probably put it in a story in a newspaper. Oh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Heck, you would Dad, I would never do that. Here, listen to this. Go ahead. Perhaps you've heard of my father. He's the man who put oil on his brakes when they got to squeaking, then drove to Dana and ran over the curb and threw a plate glass window and right into a dry goods store. My father is also the man who ran with Roosevelt in 1932. He ran for township trustee was the only Democrat in the county who lost and was probably the happiest man who listened to election returns that night. He couldn't think of anything worse than being township trustee. The reason he lost was that all the people figured that if he was trustee, he wouldn't have time to put roofs on their houses and paint their barns and paper the dining rooms, fix their chimneys, do a thousand and one other things for them. I guess when my father's gone, that whole neighborhood will just sort of fall down. He used to work as a hired hand way over on the other side of the Wabash River. When he was courting my mother, every Sunday he would drive a horse six miles to the river, row a boat across, and then ride a bicycle ten miles to my mother's house. At midnight he started to reverse the process. My mother figured he either loved her or else was foolish and needed somebody to look after him, so she married him. My father's never lived anywhere except on a farm. Yet I don't think he ever did like the farm very well. He, he's been happiest, I think, since he started renting out the farm. Ever since he's been carpentering and handyman and all about the neighborhood, he is a wizard with tools where other people are clumsy. He is a carpenter at heart. Once when he was a young man, my father did start out to see the world. He went to Iowa to cut broom corn but broke a leg and had to come home. He never went anywhere again until he was 55 when he went to California to see his brother. He sat up all the way in the day coach. Later he went to New York, so he has seen both oceans. He's a very quiet man. He has never said a great deal to me all his life. And yet I feel we have been very good friends. He never gave me much advice or told me to do this or that or not to. He, he bought me a Ford Roadster when I was about 16. And when I wrecked it a couple weeks later, he never said a word. But he didn't spare me either. I worked like a horse from the time I was nine. My father's now getting a little deaf. My mother says he can always hear what he isn't supposed to hear. If my father doesn't like people, he never says anything about it. If he does like people, he never says much about that either. He doesn't swear or drink or smoke. He is honest in letter and in spirit. He's a good man without being at all annoying about it. He's very even-tempered. If he has an enemy in this whole country, I have yet to hear about it. I thought he went to see your mother twice a week. 
And wasn't it 20 miles each way? Well, I don't want to make him feel like a fool. <laughs> well, it's not half bad then. All right. Well, you're just saying that because it's true. I'm saying it because I'm being nice. <laughs> you don't believe it then? I could look it over and make it true for oh, you. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on the Ernie Pyle Experiment. My Aunt Mary was born 30 years too soon. Always did want to be in politics and national affairs, and she does plenty of first-rate original thinking, too. If I had it to do all over, I'd still wait till I was 40 to get married, because first I'd go to college and then run for Senate. Aunt Mary was past 40 when she married. Uncle George lived on a farm. But he wasn't a farmer. He was a dreamer. It made him see reason more than once, I tell you. Then Uncle George died. So, at 60, she went to Indianapolis all alone to make her way in the world. I think it's as plain as the nose on your face. What? There's a story in there. And there she is, at 70. Still hammering away at life and getting the best of it. Back next time with more stories from the Ernie Pyle Experiment, I'm Dan V. Prescott, reminding you that the good road will never end. If you can only stay on it. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was created by Michael Brainerd with a little help from the great Ernie Pyle. Episode 5, Perhaps You've Heard of My Father. Jerry Pyle was played by Greta Lynn. Ernie Pyle, Michael Brainerd. Maria Mom Pyle, Kate Braun. Dad Will Pyle, Andrew Bowen. Bobby Webster, Josh Hogan. Kent Miller, Roy Sillings. Dan V. Prescott, Tim Grimm. Carry on and on, Peter Spellos. Executive producer at WFIU, John Bailey. Sound director, script editor, and co-executive producer, Russell McGee. Writer, director, and co-executive producer, Michael Brainerd. Sound design, Jesse Brewer. Composer, Ryan Chase. Music assistant, Francis Crishon. Foley artists, Brian Barnes and Nicholas Crone. Production assistants, Brian Barnes, Chancellor Edmiston, Jason Fruits, and Nicholas Crone. A very special thanks to the Ernie Pyle Legacy Foundation, promoting the life and work of the great Ernie Pyle. Another special thank you to the Media School at Indiana University. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. Find past episodes wherever you access your media at WFIU.org. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Carrie O'Nanon. Say it with me, O'Nanon. Rhymes with Montanin, James Buchanan, Oxyhemocyanin. Bananan.